0: Understood. some say that he's up to no good around the neighborhood Revo your information lot of my brother's guy education and check it you got your wall street brother time brother you're down for whatever chilling on the corner brother my name is Lolly Davies Yemiton, and you're listening to my brother podcast. You ever wondered how a product gets from a manufacturer to your home? Many of us shop on Amazon and somehow miraculously after a few days, that package arrives at our door. But that business is called the logistics business. And my guest today is uh, an entrepreneur who's been in the logistics business for quite a while. Mitch Marcel, the president and general manager of Daughter Management Group. Mitch, it's so good to have you on today. Um, I'd like for you to start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what brought you up to this point in life.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to participate on the podcast today. And uh, yeah, I've been in this business for, oh man, now it's approaching 30 years. And, and, uh, you know, it's where every time I think about how I started in this business, it's, it's always you know, pretty amazing to me. And I say amazing, but uh, it's somewhat of a, a funny story. Um, you know, I was actually just searching for a job, you know, two years, two, three years out of college and and uh, was doing some work that you know, I thought I wanted to do at the time and and uh, ended up being fired. From this job, which was my first time ever being fired, and was devastated after that, and uh, just placed an ad for uh, uh, a job that with G Capital, and ended up landing that position as an assistant operations manager, and started out, um, you know, was hired by that company, started out in an entry level position, and that was back in the late '80s. So, um, you know, this is this is going on on 30 years, um, you know. In this business, and uh, you know, still having fun at it. But you know, back then it was just a very different business. Um, you know, really sort of at the advent of a lot of you know technologies that you know now that we take second, that we don't We take uh, for granted rather. And uh, back then it was like you know, real innovation: computers, fax machines, you know, those type things. But, um, you know, the business has been very interesting, um, you know, actually with my, my third company now, GE Capital, then you know, Reliant Leasing, which was the first uh, company that we started and and, uh, you know, and subsequently data management. So, um, you know, just kind of evolved through the years and, you know, here we are in 2020 and, you know, still renting, leasing, selling, financing, managing, uh, you know, semi-trailers and transportation assets.
0: That's incredible, Mitch. So, um, you know, and we are actually uh, to be having this videocast in the midst of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic uh, and and thinking about, you know, your business and even you talking about how technology has evolved over the years where so many things that we consider commonplace now were just so innovative uh when you look back to that period uh in the late 80s but i want to go back a little further uh beyond that tell us a little bit about your background and your upbringing
1: well i'm from uh, port arthur and uh you know in this area there's a lot of fellow port arthurans and uh so you know spent a lot of time Involved in sports and and uh, you know that was a big big part of my upbringing and you know the folks from Port Arthur they they kind of you know see things a little different than you know a lot of other people that are from larger cities it's a very very cohesive group uh, of people and uh, so you know we still have lifelong friends from that area but. Um, You know, started out and was born and raised in Port Arthur, you know, attended Jefferson High School, which no longer exists. And, uh, you know, now all three of the prior high schools down there, they they sort of merged together. But, um, you know, went through elementary school, not really serious about school, you know, just really what sort of did the work that needed to be done so that I could participate in sports. You know, never really thinking that, you know, securing a good education would really be, you know, a a real platform to, you know, extending uh, or to manifesting, you know, the dreams that I had when I was a a young kid. But, um, you know, subsequently graduating from high school, um, you know, basically the the, the formula didn't change. Um, You know, all I was really interested in, first and foremost, was sports and, and, uh, you know, making a little money here and there just to, you know, keep a nice car and put gas in it. Um, But short of that, you know, once I kind of entered, you know, the college years and, and, uh, you know, really started hanging out with some folks that started, you know, not necessarily taking life serious but was just a little bit more or a lot more focused, um, you know, than I was, then things sort of started to take shape and, uh, you know, at that point, you know, those dreams became, you know, attainable goals and, and, uh, you know, from there just continued to try and, and pursue those dreams the best I could. But, um, you know, that's kind of a quick down and dirty version of, you know, where I'm from and, you know, how things sort of got started, um, you know, over 50 years ago.
0: Yeah. So you talk a lot about sports and how your affinity for sports sort of was that early motivational factor. Uh, One, I'm interested in which sport, I I know you did play basketball, but I'm interested in what your athletic uh, uh, experts were. But in addition to that, what were some of the lessons you might've learned from being an athlete about teamwork, hard work, and, and things that you think might've translated into your career later down
1: the line? Well, probably more, one thing more than anything else is that, um, you know, there was, I wouldn't say daily, but certainly lots of times when, you know, I want to throw in the towel for one reason or another, whether it was, you know, something that was brought on by, you know, unwarranted, in my opinion, by a teammate or, um, you know, maybe extra scrutiny um, undeserved naturally um, <laughs> from my perspective at the time from a coach. Um, or, you know, the outcome of a game. Uh, I always learned that no matter how bad I wanted to throw in the towel or how bad I wanted to quit, there was always another day. If I could just get through this day, there's tomorrow. And I think that was the biggest thing. I learned that early on, basically kind of in junior high when I first started playing real competitive sports, you know, at the time, baseball football and basketball. And uh, and then, you know, you, you suffered a lot of defeats, a lot of heartaches. But, um, you know, in my opinion, that was probably one of the most important lifelong goal that um, that I learned and, you know, still basically live by to this day, even when, especially during the tough, tough times.
0: And uh, and your parents, what, what was the household like? I know you're the oldest um, amongst your siblings.
1: Yeah, um, I have uh, one brother that's, he's a year, year and a half younger than I am, and another one that's uh, almost 10 years younger than I am. And uh, so, you know, my parents, uh, my mother, she, uh, you know, went to high school through ninth grade. Uh, My dad, I think he went through, you know, sixth grade. So you know, they were always. I mean, they were my my father. He was raised as you know, a son of a sharecropper. Uh, my mother, her parents worked you know in a diner, a restaurant in Louisiana. And uh, so you know, hardworking parents. Just you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way about their parents. But you know, certainly to this day, you know, feel that my parents are you know some of the greatest people walking the face of the earth. Um, And, you know, the extended family. My dad has 11 brothers and sisters. My mom has five brothers and sisters. So, you know, both from fairly decent sized families. But, yeah, back in, in, you know, in those days, uh, you know, the household was just always a lot of fun. My brother and I that grew up, you know, close together. You know, there was always something going on. Sibling rivalry. Um, you know, we think it's thieves, but, you know, it was kind of one of those deals where you, you the love and hate was there every minute of the day. But, you know, there's a lot more love than hate. Um, and I say hate. That's really a drastic word. But, um, you know, that's what boys do. Um, you know, the parents, my mother, she retired basically when we were in high school. Um, and so at that point, she became you know full time housewife, my dad. Worked for the city and then eventually worked in the chemical plants down in Port Arthur and subsequently started his own business in the late 80's right when I was getting ready to graduate from high school and uh, you know it was kind of a scary time and uh, a pretty scary time for the family but you know again he did what he had to do and, and you know in retrospect um, I was having a conversation with him one day and, and uh, he was telling me that if he would have known he could have done as well outside the plants versus inside the plants. He would have never stepped foot inside the chemical plants. So, you know, I've got a lot, I have a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, um, you know, both my brothers, they've been entrepreneurs for years, my father um, as well. So, you know, that's really what I grew up seeing, um, you know, in addition to, you know, uncles and aunts that were just hardworking people. So, um you know, grandfather, grandmothers, you know, just everyone was just yeah. you know, family oriented and, and hardworking.
0: So you're transitioning from high school, essentially, to college, and I believe it's Lamar University. Your father goes off, and he started his own business, you talk about it was some challenging times. Were there any adjustments that you made from high school? Uh, to college, I mean, in addition to doing just what was necessary, were there some adjustments that you made that perhaps better prepared you for life beyond college?
1: Yeah, I would say, and I, I would say yes, because there were some things that that, that definitely prepared me, and, and really, I would say it was probably more the people that I met in uh, in high school. I mean, I'm sorry, in college rather. That um, that really helped me, um, you know, focus on that next level, that next stage of life. Um, you know, one or two professors, maybe that you know had a, had a had an impact. But for the most part, you know, when I look back at it, it was really just the people that I surrounded myself with, myself with rather. And, and now, going back and looking at all those individuals that I consider. Um, You know, essential people in my lives or impact people in my lives. All those people are, are, you know, successful, and um, you have great families. And you know, back then, it was about you know teaming up and 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 partnering with or aligning yourself with people that you know that were like minded. Um, But you know, fast forward, and for your thirty years, and now you realize that those were people that you know that have become lifelong friends and. And uh, that really helped navigate the way, in addition to, you know, my faith and, and also, you know, my, my strong bond with my family.
0: That's incredible. So you finished college, and you started your career with GE Capital after some challenges, as you acknowledged earlier. What was your experience like while you were at GE Capital?
1: Well, and, and I actually left school early. Um, I left after my junior year which was, you know, not recommended uh, then or now, I guess, for most people. Um, but, um, you know, my my biggest challenge, when I first, when I, I actually left college to take a job here and, you know, with the intent of, you know, working in Houston and, and uh, you know, finishing out um, you know, my last year in school. And, um, you know, it was a company that was uh, at the time, you know, very, Prominent company in Houston. You know, I was just glad to have that opportunity, and I say prominent, but prominent in their space. And they were eventually bought out, and you know a lot of people let go, and I was one of those people. So um, you know, after I took a job with Southland Corporation, um, you know, managed a few of their stores. That was the next next step, and then I t- what kind of where I cut my teeth in the rental business was I took a job with the company by the name of Aaron rents. I don't even know if they're still around, but, um, you know, managed that a store out on the North side. Um, and you know, and that was the, the job, you know, align myself with some, some, some drivers or some bad characters there, which I you know, didn't really know. And uh, those guys were doing some things that they didn't, that they weren't supposed to do. And the senior managers came in and cleaned house. So, you know, I was a a casualty in that decision. And it was Mm -hmm. devastating for me because, you know, I felt like that was the job for me. But, you know, again, um, you know, God knows your past a lot better than you do. And from that job, that's when I started working for GE Capital. And, uh, you know, that I really enjoyed my my time there. And uh, But when it was time to leave, um, you know, it was definitely time to leave and you know what was so unique about that that the departure was the fact that uh you know my my um then to be business partners were my largest customer with g capital and um you know we worked for a year 18 months putting together a plan and you know my exit strategy and their their diversification plan uh, they were a transportation company, and they still are one of the largest um, here in Houston. And uh, it came time to pull the trigger, and you know, and I, I jumped ship, and uh, you know, the rest is history. That was in 1999. So you know, it's it's been a it's been a uh, a very gratifying and you know very challenging you know, past 30 years, but you know that's sort of way it all happened and and uh, you know, very unconventional. But, um, you know, again, in retrospect, it was the best thing that I could have ever done.
0: So, Mitch, what was the linchpin? And, and that's remarkable to be able to make that jump and sort of transition and sort of go carve out your own space. But what was the linchpin to making that deal happen where you took your largest customer at the time and figured out how to negotiate and structure a deal that not only allowed you to transition from your present employer at the time, but you were also able to get a stake in the deal. How did all of that come about?
1: Well, you know, and I, I give a lot of credit to, um, to the guys that I partnered with. They were very creative, they were very open, and I think at the time they were very, they were really looking forward uh, they were very ambitious, and they were very they were looking forward to really diversify their business with, especially, and align themselves with, uh, or their business rather, with another business that was similar to what they were doing. So, um, you know, at the time, our company, Reliant Leasing Systems, uh, we built that company or started that company as strictly a, a, a trailer rental company, trailer rental and leasing. And um, so, I, I would say that you know, to answer your question directly. Um, you know, it was really, those guys were the catalyst in, in putting it together and, you know, and not to say that I didn't play a significant role in it because I did. But, you know, I, I had very, very good people, um, you know, a great attorney working to help me structure the deal. You know, granted, I worked for G Capital for eight, nine years prior to that point, And I managed a couple of uh, locations for them, um, and but I never really done anything on that level before structuring a company, putting lines of credit in place, um, getting the necessary insurances you know in place, benefits, payroll. Um, you know I walked the G capital and all that was there. So um, you know going into a setting where you start from scratch, you know, putting together lease agreements and rental agreements, um, you know figuring out things as simple as, as office space and office supplies you know, again, never did that before. So yeah, I had a lot of help uh, from those guys and I am I'm eternally grateful to them for that. Figuring out um, you know, how the lines of credit worked, things of that nature, you know, financing, the finance aspect of it uh, was probably the most challenging part for me and that's kind of weird to say coming from a company like G Capital, which was all about uh, you know, structuring financing. So Uh, but I think again, the, the, the linchpin, um, was, you know, aligning myself, seeking out the right people and aligning myself with those people and, and learning, um, you know, as I went through that process, which, you know, which helped me later to, you know, eventually buy those partners out and, you know, subsequently sell that company and start another company. So, um, you know, that was, that was very, um critical, I guess, in, you know, in, in you know, the extension of, of life, um, you know, moving forward from that, that startup.
0: Yeah. So yeah, when you make the transition, you're still fairly early in your career, relatively speaking, and you now have to go from being an employee with G Capital, where all these different systems were in place to essentially being a principal and having to structure those things. What were some key lessons you learned during that journey and experience about entrepreneurship?
1: You know, probably the thing that I learned most and and it was very impactful for me is is figuring out, or I guess maybe coming to the realization that the Steady paycheck was not really a part of my life anymore. And, you know, basically just getting out there, and, you know, having to make everything happen, especially in the early days. It was just me. I was a one man show. Um, you know, I handled all of the, and I say one man show, the, the, my partners, they handled, um, you know, putting lines of credit in place and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, everything else was just really, really, really uh, at the time it seemed like it was overwhelming. In retrospect, it seemed like it was like, wow, um, you know, it really wasn't that bad, but, um, you know, going through it for the first time and, and really just having just a central responsibility when I was with G Capital, when I was on the operations side of the business, I was responsible for the operations side of the business. Um, you know, making sure that equipment was ready to go, um, you know, proper inspection of the equipment, ordering the supplies, materials, parts, um, you know, those things were a part of my life. And then when I went to the sales and, you know, and account side of the business, account management side of the business, then, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's generating revenue, top line type activities every single day. And, uh, you know, that was my life. You know, following up with customers, which even to this day, that's my favorite. That's the most favorite part of the business for me is dealing with customers direct. But those experiences helped me to understand that you know, once our business became a formidable business and we had you know employees and every aspect of the business, you know, it, it, it put me in a position where I knew everything that was going on and didn't have to bring people in to manage those particular segments of the business. And eventually we did, but, um, you know, I knew everything that was going on and, and I didn't have to start from, from scratch and, uh, you know, be oblivious to certain, certain aspects of the business.
0: So, you know, entrepreneurship is something that I think, uh, a lot of people like the idea of being able to sort of, uh, eat from their own vineyard, so to speak. Uh, And too often when we hear the story like, you know, I'm talking to you years later, you've been through running a business, you've grown it, sold, repositioned, started a new business. Uh, But I think there are a lot of hurdles along the way that I think people need to understand. What are some of those hurdles that you might've faced and what was the key to resolving those hurdles along the way?
1: Well, you know, I think for me, some of the major hurdles were, um, you know, when I really look back, even to the to the infancy stages of my career, as I alluded earlier to, you know, the firing and and, um, you know with with Aaron Ritz and and uh, you know some of the other hurdles that that uh, that I faced. I think that for me, the two thousand eight was really, as an, as an entrepreneur, so we started, Reliant, I'll back up a little bit, Reliant Leasing was started in 1999, and, you know, 1999 was a fairly decent year, and so was, you know, 2000 wasn't that bad, but 2001, 2002, we had the decline in the economy, and then things really kind of started, to, even 2003, things started to come back in 04, 05, and then, you know, you see the business spike, it booms, everything's great um and then 2007 shows up and so that was really i thought 2001 and 2 was bad but i had partners i had you know high network partners um you know i still sort of i should say sort of you know we made sure that everyone in the company got paid um but when 2008 came around uh, 2007 i bought my partners out in April of 2007, absolutely the worst time to um, you know, facilitate a buyout, especially in an asset-intensive business where lines of credit are critical. And in 2007, I bought them out. Things were great in the first half of 2007, and we all know what happened by you know fourth quarter of 2007. So 2008, 2009. 2010, um, you know, production in our industry had reached an all time low. Um, we had a storage yard plus our, um, primary yard filled with equipment that was going nowhere. And, um, so, you know, not generating any income, trying to figure out how to keep employees paid. Um, you know, it just seems like that was the longest two or three years of my life. And then, um, you know, we rebounded from that and started plugging along, you know, started to really catch our breath a little bit. And then 2014, 2013 came around, and, and at that point, we had reached a, a, a I guess I should, should say a critical mass, but it was actually a, a, a tipping point. We really had to pivot or die. And so, and by that, I mean that I reached the point where our debt levels—we were so our company because of our equipment it was aging. Um, you know, our our, uh, uh, our our debt service was getting to the point where you know that was issue, if mean, a real issue, um, and we cut costs every way we could, and so I started to seek out a buyer for our business. And I felt like that was really the only way that we could either continue to run the business and move it forward or, um, you know, just give up the business and, you know, try my hand at something else. And this thing was really sort of supposed to be, you know, sort of a a fire sale. And, you know, it wasn't the best sale in the world, but it was a sale that, that, that we were able to... Um, you know, it was totally eradicate our debt. Um, and, uh, you know, all, everyone that was old money was paid off and just a weird thing happened. You know, I looked at that as probably the worst year. And that was, to me, that was even worse than 2007, 2008, where, you know, I just uh, performed the buyout, completed the buyout. Yeah. But um, right before the sale, was uh, consummated, the buyers, um, they noticed a group of trailers or identified a group of trailers that they didn't want anymore because they were outside of the state of Texas. And, you know, t- 23rd hour, um, it was like, what do you do with that? And so, you know, I'd already made plans to do something else. And so I said, I'll, I, w- I decided to manage that equipment, keep it. And again, that was in 2013 and here it is 2020 and I'm still in the business and loving it more than I ever have, you know, in my 30 years in the business. Because now I kind of know I've been through everything, I've, and I have I not necessarily say everything, but I've been through a lot, yeah. and uh, so, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations where, again, um, you know, faith has it that, or had it rather than, you know, I stay in the business and, and, and my, my, my job was not complete. So, um, you know, just kind of weird how those things happen. But entrepreneurship, I think that's all a part of it. Just being able to, um, you know, be nimble enough to make last minute decisions, understand that, you know, there will be some times where, and probably more often than, than not, you know, a lot of painful times that come with painful decisions. But you know, what I've learned throughout the you know twenty-five-thirty years of, or I guess twenty years of being, you know, on my own is that um once you make those decisions, or you have to make those decisions, and once you make them, The next time you make, you have to make one, it becomes a little bit easier and not necessarily a little less, not not necessarily any less painful, but certainly a little easier.
0: Yeah, you know, you're absolutely uh, spot on about that decision making process. When you were dealing with 07, 08, I mean, you now bought your partners out. And you're in this tough spot, which, you know, and you made a comment earlier in 2013 where you were pursuing a, a a buyer, and it was almost a fire sale. There's a lot that goes into that decision, right? You're having to accept the fate as to where your business is, and recognizing that, because I think a lot of times people end up in these situations where. They try to hang on too long. They start throwing in their personal money to the point where they can bankrupt themselves. How did you go about making those decisions in 07, 08? How did you, you know, what, what guided that process of being able to keep it together long enough to, to keep employees paid, to keep the business going. And then ultimately ending up in 2013 where you reached that fateful decision saying, Hey, now is the time to sell and it's better we sell so that we have something to preserve versus ending up with nothing at all, which is a situation that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, find themselves ending up in.
1: Yeah. 0- 07. And that's a great question, too, because 0708 was um, 0708 was a time when we, we were really more of a trailer rental um, organization. And we were, you know, somewhat one-dimensional at that time. And so what we did, and I say we because I always give credit to the, you know, team, as I call them, team members that, you know, that I've worked with over the years. Um, and that's another blessing that I've uh, that I've experienced is that I've had just the greatest employees, in my opinion, over the last, you know, 20 years. But... Um, what we did we looked at this, at our situation and we're like man we have all these non-income producing assets we have to figure out another a niche so what we did was a couple of things we looked at uh the equipment sales business but you know again the economy sucked if we couldn't rent, most folks are going to try and rent a trailer to get their business back on uh, on an even keel before they go out and you know and, and take on additional debt. So we looked at it and was like, okay, the rental business is not working out. So we really don't think we're gonna be able to sell a bunch of trailers. So the few non-income producing trailers that we had that were cheap, we figured that, you know, hey, folks will need place to store their excess inventory um, you know, because everything was slow. Um, we knew that there would probably be some, you know, pent up inventory out there. We sold a lot of that stuff, and I say a lot, enough to, um, you know, have cash on hand to be able to to survive to for for you know an ex- extended period of time. And then we brought up, we looked at at managing assets. So we started to sort of advertise this product line of managing assets for different companies. And when I say managing assets, that's semi-trailer assets. So we had a couple of companies, uh, one in particular in Chicago, that contacted us through a third-party source. And they had just purchased, a, it was a group of investors, they did this fire fire sale, uh, or purchased equipment from a fire sale, another business actually, and they inherited um, a group of trailers and that wasn't their forte. So, you know, subsequently went to, um, you know, met with those folks and, and put together uh, an agreement and lo and behold, we've got a whole fleet of trailers that we're managing that, um, you know, the economy's bad everywhere, but at least we're getting paid to manage these trailers. That's an income source and we, we hired a person, uh, you know, on their dime in the Chicago market um, they did a good job of at least putting enough trailers out on rent to, you know, at least cash flow the business. And all the while, you know, that's basically at the time our number one income generator. And uh so we continued to do that until that company, when you know the economy sort of changed a little bit for the better, they decided that they wanted to sell off those assets. The time was right for us. We bought, um, you know, the lion's share of them, and the ones that you know didn't fit with our future plans, uh, we sold those off, and you know, paid the debt off for the for the uh, uh, for the, the investment group, and uh, you know, everybody sort of parted ways. But that was that was our bridge, um, you know, over troubled waters during the during the, the two thousand early mid 2000s mid to late two thousands and uh so you know that's not always easy it wasn't easy to do then but you know a lot of folks aren't always i wouldn't i would call it luck or, or lucky or blessed or you know they don't have the um you know the intuition or maybe not just maybe not even intuition but they don't know the business that they're in well enough to be able to um you know extend those tentacles out and be able to um you know, pivot the way they, 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 they could to, uh, you know, salvage their business. And, and again, and I, I, I know that everything that I've done has not been of my own own volition, but, and, but I've still, you know, I still give credit to all the folks that, that, that I've worked with over the years and, uh, and certainly give, you know, a lot of thanks to you know the man upstairs because he definitely pointed us in the right direction and, and threw us several lifelines uh, you yep. know, over
0: the years. So if, if you'll take us from now you're reliant leasing and you guys have gone through this iterations or this iterative series of transitions, um, how do you eventually go from the lion to daughter and what you, what you're doing now?
1: Um, well, you know, when we, after the, the buyout of, uh, of of the partners, um, you know, we sort of kind of set the business on on somewhat of a different course, and uh, and again, that was just you know really kind of going through for the most part real treacherous treacherous waters, you know, in the in the in, in the eighties. I mean, I'm sorry, in 2008, nine, ten, and so um, you know, the transition from from Reliant Leasing to data was that was another issue that was pretty. Um, you know, when it first happened and I'll kind of back up a little bit. So when I per this was this was really another milestone for me um, when I purchased and bought my partners out back in 2007, I think we closed on a Friday, if I'm not mistaken, paid off all the bank debt, everything at the time, um, you know, paid the partners off that Monday. I realized that I had no lines accredited place. Again, for a very asset intensive business, went Mm. back to all the banks that I had a 10 year relationship with, with my partners and was told by every single bank that I was a startup and they couldn't give me any much, if any money. Mm. Can you believe that? Uh, I can. (laughs) (laughs) I know it all too well in my mind we're going concerned it's just new management
0: yeah wow
1: so um yeah sometimes i mean even now when i think about that time it's 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 very humbling um very humbling Mm -hmm. and uh you know to really start on a new course without you know any financial backers um it was tough so we again and, and and you know never really missed a beat um, you know, we work with the banks, um, and you know they helped us, you know, with the with some of the notes and defer some of the payments, and you know just did what we had to do. But um, you know, going into uh, you know twenty thirteen, after you know the sale of the business and you know holding on some of the assets to really get started with data management, the thing that I, I I guess it's it was sort of a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, we started that business as a debt-free, we had assets, we put that, those assets to work to generate income for us and, uh, you know, here we are seven years later and we're still a debt-free business, but now we're at that, that pivotal point where we are growing the business and we're putting every dime back into the business i mean we're spending you know everything that comes in goes back into the business so um you know we're upgrading technology we're 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 expanding our platforms our product offerings we are right now rebuilding our website we are um right we're probably 70 percent done with you know an ancillary business that we're starting that's really going to take us into the technology space more than the brick-and-mortar space. Um, You know, so dealing with developers, um, you know, working with attorneys, um, you know, working with consultants, that costs money. And so, um, we're sort of at that point now where, um, you know, we're working internally to start raising capital, and, uh, you know, we're figuring out the benefits of taking on debt, uh, versus equity, which, you know, is always a very tough decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one that has to be made. Um, so we've, we've gone from, you know, a, a company that, you know, the first business, you know, that, that we had, you know, we built that business and it was a uh, you know, probably a $10 million business. Um, you know in the in the grand scheme of things that may not be uh you know huge business but you know for us it was a very big business and you know um data management we haven't got to that level yet because we have made the decision not to be such a large company from an asset um perspective but you know our objective is to build a business through technology so you know it required money to buy up all those assets in reliant leasing Uh, It's going to require money now for us to, um, you know, build our business as more of a tech company. Um, But, you know, again, figuring that piece out, um, again, it's another one of those those decisions that that, uh, you know, either either way it goes, um, you're going to have to swallow a pill and uh, and, you know, figure out how to make it work. But, um, you know, the transition has been very interesting, especially this one. Um, You know, we went from when I first started the business, as I mentioned earlier, you know, fax machine. And a dial up computer was unbelievable. Yeah. And now, you know, I'm watching these guys and having these meetings when they're, you know, building these apps and we're going through these, these wireframes and it's like, this is amazing. Yeah. So, um, so I guess, you know, for me, it's been a very progressive, very interesting transition from, you know, Reliant to DARTA to now, you know, this new company. And, uh, and Van Gogh is the name of the new business. So, um, okay. you know, we should be live um, beta testing this company within the next probably forty-five to sixty days, and, uh, and really looking forward to it. So, you know, that's really sort of been our evolution for um, for um, yeah for for uh, you know from from nineteen ninety nine to the present.
0: So to use a basketball analogy, you've been the pastor of the pivot. You've held that pivot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, drop step. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's the drop step.
0: (laughs) None of us do this alone. For sure. You know, so none of us do this alone. Family is a big part of this. So while we're juggling all these different things in our professions, you also have family. How did you juggle all of that, notwithstanding some of the challenges that I know you endured? But how did you juggle family, and what role did family play, you'd say, in your success in business?
1: Um, the first part of that, you know, family was tough, I and mean, especially in the early stage my kids were very young and. And, uh, you know, they were very active and involved. Um, You know, my wife at the time, uh, she did a great job, you know, helping manage that. And, uh, you know, I was actually talking to my daughter about it the other day. i telling her that, you know, I finally confessed that, um, you know, most of the activities that they had when they were young, They saw my face, but it was towards the end, and I always, you know, acted as though I was there the whole entire time, but I was really the guy that sort of came in towards the tail end, just to make, and I say just to make sure, but it was normally because I was involved in something else and trying to get there on time. But, um, you know, that that was basically, that was a real juggling act, just making sure that I had time and spent time with my kids, um, here yeah, with my wife and and, uh, you know, and just family as a whole, my parents. Um, so you know, that's not easy. As a matter of fact, that's hard. Um, and you know, anyone that actually says that in my opinion that it's easy, I don't think they're being totally honest. And, uh, you know, unless they're at that in that part of their life where they're in complete control in a mature business where, you know, time they don't they're not required to spend a bunch of time. But, um, you know, in in a new business, yeah, it's tough. And uh, so, um, you know, again, having help, um, you know, was 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 paramount because, you know, without that help, um, you know, family. I know that there would have been no way that I would have made it through that not with, you know, having, you know, three kids at the time. Um, but it was uh, it was it was something that required uh, you know, some 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 forethought. You know, normally when you're thinking about family and getting together, at least for me, it's kind of like, oh, it's just a natural evolution you're going to get with your family and everything's going to be great when you're tied up in a business. Um, you really have to make time and plan it. And, uh, you know, and that's what I did in, in those early stages. And, you know, it seems like every at every hurdle uh, in throughout you know, the last 19 years, it pulls you farther away from your family if you allow it to. And it's it did it to me, um, you know, and, and, and thank God I you know, was able to kind of, you know, see my way out of it. Are for and you know and you know my family forced me out of it. Um, maybe that's probably the more true than anything else. Um, and you know made me spend more time with them. And you know and it's not it certainly wasn't because I didn't want to. It was you know only because you know as a as a father and you know head of the household, that's what you you know have been programmed to do and mm-hmm. basically designed to do. Uh, you know, in my opinion and. You know, sometimes we kind of go a little too far, and you know, I can't say that I I, I didn't go too far uh, you know, a few times. So, you know, when times get tough, you're, you're 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 you compromise. And when I say compromise, I only mean on time with uh, you know your family because you know you're trying to fix things and make things right. So, you know, in in, in your mind to better your family, but um, you know, sometimes that can. That can have an adverse effect, and and you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, I was able to, to 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 hold on, you know, through the strength of more the strength of others than myself, and uh, you know, and make it work.
0: <laughs> so you uh, you mentioned that when you went with from Gene Capital to Reliant, you took on these partners. Uh, and I assume there's probably sort of a mentorship relationship that uh, emanated from that. What role did mentors play along your journey in a broader sense?
1: Yeah, my my bi- greatest business mentor to date was the gentleman that was the CFO um, of their company and also the CFO of, of Reliant Leasing, and he. And he, what what really intrigued me about him too, was he always talked about all of these folks that he met through his life, and uh, and he was a Jewish guy, and he met a lot of you know real prestigious guys, other presidents and CEOs or CFOs rather of you know larger transportation companies. They would always talk about how they were much smarter than him, than him, and in my mind, he was like one of the smartest guys I had ever met in my life. And even to to date, that holds true. And um, you know, he just really taught me a lot. He taught me a lot, and it was it was tough love. And you know, we we clashed. We you know, knocked heads often. Um, and in retrospect, that guy taught me so much, and I'm forever indebted to him. Um, you know, especially as it relates to you know managing your business, um, you know, financing your business. Um, you know, keeping, staying, staying in control of your debt and your your bad debt, um, you know, those type things that, you know, working for a company, someone else did all that. So he taught me a lot. And, uh, you know, I think that he's probably been you know, my greatest mentor, um, you know, business mentor uh, mm-hmm. to date. And, you know, and I, I and, and I've been fortunate enough to have very good friends um, you know, that really understand business and, you know, one of those friends being you, um, you know, that I can talk to about certain things, you know, especially as it relates to, you know, our our, our, our uh, interest in real estate, um, you know, talking to guys that know what's going on, um, you know, same in, in my industry, but the, the, the I probably have fewer mentors, um, you know, in the rental and lease space, equipment room and lease space only because uh, you know most of the companies that, that that we compete with and I say compete with but you know we're we're, we're a niche player yeah. but most of those companies are national uh, either public or um, national privately owned companies you know <laughs> that have revenues and you know hundreds of millions or billions of dollars so um, you know most of the guys that I know in the industry, I know them from you know back in the day, and you know they're managing these companies, but you know they are not calling the shots for these companies. So as a result, I rely on them for more for information and mentorship. But um, you know, I'd say to you know, it's it's definitely been um, you know the individuals that I've partnered with bankers. Uh, a couple of bankers that I've worked with in the past that's been they've been great, great mentors for me as well. So, you know, establishing those relationships, those business relationships has been key, um, you know, to to you know managing these businesses over the years.
0: What advice would you offer the 20 or 30 year ago version of yourself?
1: I would say. You know, probably the, the, the biggest uh, or the best advice that I would possibly give the 20 or 30 year old version of myself would be to, um, you know, have a, a, a more solid plan. Um, you know, even with the first company and having, having um, and I say plan, but, you know, because in the 20 or 30 year version of myself, that was, you know, I had the entrepreneurial bug from, you know, probably, you know, my college years, certainly, you know, shortly thereafter. But, um, you know, I never really had a plan. I had a vision, but I never had a plan. And most of those businesses didn't do that well, only because of it. And, you know, there was no lack of enthusiasm, um, you know, and even financing at the time because they were all small scale. But I never really had a plan. And then, when we started Reliant Leasing, um, you know, I hired uh, a gentleman out of California that was referred to me, and he helped me build a plan, and it took months. And to be totally honest with you, I hated the process because I'd never planned to that level before. But, you know, it turned out to be a very successful company. Um, And uh, so, that would definitely be, without hands down, my. The 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 best advice that I would give to you know a twenty year or thirty year old version of myself. Got it.
0: Um, So we're we're about to wrap up. I want to know now what's next on the horizon for you. What's that long term big picture? And then you can offer any closing remarks.
1: What's next for me is sort of what I alluded to, and I say sort of, but what's, it's what I alluded to earlier, um, you know, really finishing up the uh, and going deeper into, you know, this new venture, Van Gogh, and, uh, and you know, and building that business and just really, for me right now, just identifying all the ancillary uh, holes that this, 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 this business can fill. Um, and all the needs that it can supply—it's it's really been, you know, eye-opening uh, for for us at this point. Uh, so that's 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 job number one. Dabbling uh, in real estate uh, for uh, you know a while, I'd really like to um, you know build that business. Can you still hear me i can hear you okay i'd really like to build that business um to the point where um, you know we've got you know we can acquire more properties and 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 you know do some more things um you know within that business and really start to focus more from or transition more from um, you know res- residential to our single family rather than multi-family and commercial um, I'm really really, really excited about that and uh, as well. so but um, you know again, I, I really appreciate you um, having me on today and, and uh, really look forward to working with you as well, you know more in the future. and, and uh, you know that's that's uh, certainly something that we've talked about and you know we've got to lay the foundation for that and, and uh, you know I would advise um, you know any, up-and-coming entrepreneur to again you know as I stated earlier plan and I think that there is no lack of um, you know there, there's, there's there's nothing that you can do it's there's no over planning I guess I, I should say um, and uh, and that would probably be my my and stay focused stay grounded that's it you know plan focus stay grounded and uh, you know those would be my my uh uh, words of advice.
0: Master of the pivot, Mitch Marcel, President of Daughter and Management. This is Laura Davies Emmetton, and you've been listening to my brother podcast. Whenever you're facing doubt, brothers, go work it out. I'm so proud. I got the of you